0: This show will not shy away from the morbid details of these horrific events and the often ugly truths behind them. What you will hear is a detailed timeline of events, perspectives from those closely involved, and analysis by experts. What you will feel is the darkness that surrounds each story, the innocence lost by the victims, and hopefully, the justice that was ultimately
1: delivered. Don Palumbo,
0: Joe Nalento,
1: Holy smokes, not that intro!
0: That was. I was yeah. hold, I, I, the, lately, I've been holding my breath when I read that, and I don't know why.
1: Well, it's for weird. a second there, I had a panic attack and thought, like, you read a word wrong. I did read a word you, wrong. No, you didn't.
0: I did, but I just rolled right over it.
1: Oh yeah. man, I didn't notice.
0: Well, if you didn't notice, and why did you? Point no, out?
1: because I thought you said, yeah, no, I thought there was a whole new, a whole other kind of mix-up in there that didn't oh. exist.
0: I don't think so. I yeah. guess we'll be recording this in your kitchen if I did. <laughs> anyway, not that that's not happened before. Anyway, thank you to everyone for being with us here this evening. We are coming at you live from the Reverb Lounge in Omaha, Nebraska. What a
1: sweet room. Really
0: cool. Really cool.
1: Yeah, this. Yeah.
0: I love Omaha personally, and I'm not just saying that because I'm up here. Like, I legit love Omaha. It's one of my favorite, favorite cities.
1: I love Omaha, and I'm only saying that because I'm down here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you got a pity laugh there. That That was a pity laugh. Anyway, we appreciate you guys so very, very much for being here. Thank you also to everyone who has rated and reviewed the podcast. We are so grateful for the comments, the feedback, even if sometimes they hurt a little bit. And uh, and of course, the support that we've received from our listeners. We really do appreciate it. It does great things for us. It helps us move on the trending charts and those types of things. So you might not think that it does anything, but it really does. Jonah, what are people saying? About Midwest Murder.
1: Yeah, please do if you can take the time out of your busy life to review Midwest Murder on iTunes and Spotify. It goes a long way to help the show. Uh, today, hopefully, we're not taking too many punches in the reviews. This one comes from G.S. Mao Great promotion of domestic violence programs. Five stars. I thank you for promoting the domestic violence programs. The, the DV programs must be vital elements of every community. I am thankful for all professionals and volunteers of domestic violence programs. Please keep promoting so one day we can see an end to violence. I will always give you the highest rating for what you are doing to defeat domestic violence.
0: Well, Thank that's really that, sweet. That means a lot. That means a lot. I think so many of our cases and stories do start with domestic violence. So I, I think it's important that we give back. I love that. Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's it's an honor to have been able to highlight that and to to bring a a call to action. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one comes from, it's all in my head. Love the Midwest based stories, five stars. As a fellow Midwest podcaster living in the Dakotas, I'm thrilled to hear the stories of home that don't often make the major news outlets that cover bigger stories of crimes occurring in cities on the coasts. I'm a lover of true crime and the Midwest. So this podcast is a blend of my favorites and I can't get enough.
0: I love that. That's cool. Thank yeah, you. A pair of uplifting that. ones yeah. today. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I think we had a, I think there was one either, was it two weeks ago or was it on Friday that basically said, frick your input, girl? Like that was, so yeah. I, I like that these were nice. Yeah. That yeah.
1: that person wanted nothing to do with you <laughs> nothing to do on with Midwest me. murder. Nope. I've fine. had one of them about me too, I know, though. I know. So yeah. 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 All it's, things I'm being, just even.
0: Still, you know. So a little fresh that's all <laughs> anyway we uh, we've re- re- redesigned words apparently are hard tonight too. We've redesigned some graphics and also added some new ones to some of our merch so please go ahead and check that out. We've gone local to North Dakota and they're amazing to work with. they ship quickly they do they're just awesome to work with. We also have some here tonight so if you're here with us you can check that out. You can check out uh, the merch on our socials for a link. Or go to too many slash Midwest dash murder. And tonight's show is brought to you in part by Midwest Memoirs. Have you ever wondered how the stories of the people you love most will live on after they're gone? Midwest Memoirs is here to help you capture the most precious memories of your loved ones as told in their voice. This is done with research of your family member and completed through a professionally guided interview in a comfortable studio setting using state of the art recording equipment. The most important stories you'll hear, you'll ever hear, are those of the people we love most. Contact Midwest Memoirs today on Facebook or Instagram.
1: We we recent did a me- we did a memoir recently for a grandfather of a family, and we got feedback from the eight year old grandson who listened to it, who just said, "My favorite part was hearing Grandpa's laugh again because Grandpa doesn't laugh as much anymore." Yeah. And that these one, are, these hurt. are the memories and these are the moments that we are capturing for families with Midwest memoirs. And I, I think it's more important than some people realize. For sure. Especially when we hear things like that. Mm-hmm. And 20 years from now, 30 years from now, someone in that family who got, never got to meet this grandfather is yeah. going to know the story and hear yeah. that voice.
0: For sure. All right. The year is 2007. There was an abundance of bronzer, metallic eyeshadow, and side swept bangs. My, I was very, very guilty.
1: I was going to say, were you among oh, them? Man, I was not. No, I it missed. Was, I missed that trend. It was those were some it missed Bad
0: me. trends, bad, bad trends. Uh, the first iPhone was released. The cost to develop the first touch screen cell phone was over 150 million dollars to create. The I thirty five W bridge collapsed in Minneapolis during evening rush hour, rush hour, killing thirteen people. Teslas were shown for the first time at car shows. Nancy Pelosi was elected as the first female speaker of the House.
1: I am like sorry her, that was this was I. Th- I thought you said this was two thousand seven. Wasn't that like fifty years ago? I,
0: I know it feels like it. Yeah, like her or hate her, it, she was the first female speaker of the House. Yeah, okay, in okay. two thousand seven. Yeah,
1: sorry, I thought yeah. I thought I was still wearing diapers when yeah. that happened.
0: <laughs> nope, nope. Uh, right here in Omaha, uh, sadly, a gunman killed eight people at the West Roads Mall. Tumblr was founded. The, this is, this is where I really, really felt old, but it was nice to, that I was finally able to pinpoint where, where that cutoff was. The pound sign became known as the hashtag when it was first used in a tweet. You know, yep. when you know when you tell like children like if I've said uh, to my kid like hey hit the, the pound, pound sign, sign. what yes. is that okay
1: do you do you remember wow. where you were the first time you said pound sign and got <laughs> looked at with confusion
0: <laughs> yeah exactly via the, uh, the departed won an Oscar for best Picture best adapted screenplay best director best film editing and best supporting actor uh, it was obviously not Leo's year still.
1: I think the Oscar was still too young yet for him.
0: <laughs> hey, I tried making that joke a couple weeks ago. You can't. It you was can't totally different. It was joke. totally
1: different the way you did it,
0: man. Uh, Van Halen, Patty Smith—not to be confused with Patty Smythe. There's a difference. The Runettes and REM, as well as this is this is super cool and finally well deserved. Uh, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Okay. There's an episode of Drunk History about about their contribution to music. Super cool. Yeah. And then Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, which at that time was the most expensive film uh, to make at $300 million, making that movie cost double what the iPhone cost. There's a lot of timeline stuff because so much shit happened in 2007. And I think it's because I remembered all of it. And so I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much. I put this one in for Jonah uh, because he is a Dolphins fan. Nick Saban left the Miami Dolphins to hear nothing but roll tide and coach football at the University of Alabama.
1: That was a shit move, and nobody who's a Dolphins fan appreciates Nick Saban and his time as our head coach. I I,
0: I think Nick Saban thought it was a good move. No,
1: he sucked, (laughs) man. Guy drafted a punt returner in his first-round pick. Don't even get me started. (laughs) We're real excited to draft the punt returner with our first-round draft pick. Okay, wow. Everybody's everybody's gunning for that position.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> Phil Phil Jackson won his 900th game as a head coach. Zach Johnson won his first major title when he won the Masters. Anaheim Ducks defeated the Ottawa Senators winning their first Stanley Cup and of course making the children of the 90s go wild. Of course the Mighty you Ducks know. kids, yeah. Yeah, I was a big I was a Mighty Ducks kid for sure. Barry Bonds hit his 756th career home run and broke Hank Aaron's 31-year record. And in the World Series, the Red Sox beat the Rockies to win their second title in four years. Of course, I'm going to bring up the Red Sox. what I do. It's because the timeline is all about me. And in Super Bowl 41, the Colts beat the Bears.
1: Wow. 2007. 2007. All right.
0: Yeah. So today, in today's episode, we go to Chicagoland. On October 4th, 2007, shortly before 8 a.m., Ronnie Ryder was on her way out to work, and at seven months pregnant, she opened the door to head outside. She was shot seven times, some of the shots sending her back into the condo. While dying on the kitchen floor, the person who ambushed her stopped to look at a photo of the ultrasound of Ronnie's unborn baby. As they were leaving, the shooter took a few small items of Ronnie's, which included an inscripted silver and pearl bracelet. The word that was inscribed was "pregnant."
1: That was inscribed in the, On bracelet? the bracelet.
0: yep. So, in order to bring you up mm. to date, we have to start in 1985. Even if you aren't a Chicago Bears fan, I really hope you've seen or at least heard the, Sh- the Super Bowl Shuffle. It is pure comedy gold.
1: It's worth it's worth a YouTube search. It, <laughs> it really is. is.
0: And uh, and oddly enough, I, I mean, this was surprising to me. The music video sold over one million copies, making it musically gold as well. Right. I mean, all I can picture is are these football players who can't dance for shit. Right. And they're just, you know, we are the bears. Yeah. Anyway, I I may have had it downloaded at one time. I probably downloaded it illegally on LimeWire or something.
1: It's 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 yeah. an awkward video.
0: <laughs> it really is. Yeah. But if that isn't ego boosting enough, it was even nominated for a Grammy.
1: Why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. I wish I could that make that up. That was Grammy nominated? I wish I could make that That's up. That's embarrassing. Thankfully it
0: was beat by Prince. Okay. So. You know, Thank yeah. you, Prince. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Thank you, Prince. Yes. And, Save so, that one. and it was
0: just 80s enough to make it believable. Like, yeah. it was just like, how did this actually happen? The 1985 NFL football team was so incredibly confident that they were going to win the big game that they recorded the celebratory song, having to play six more games before even getting to the Super Bowl. They didn't even know they were going yet. So they recorded okay. it in December. Yeah. And even though it seemed a bit arrogant, because it was, uh, it worked because they got the Super Bowl rings to back it up. Wow. Yeah,
1: and conspiracy theorists of today point to that as evidence that the NFL is scripted. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, hmm. it's on Reddit.
0: So then it must be true.
1: Yeah, of course. Wow. Just like every other conspiracy theory you can read about there.
0: <laughs> so, in this this team is, regardless of whether you know, especially if you're a Packers fan, you have to at least admit that this team is what legends are made of. From that team alone, there were six Hall of Famers: Walter Payton, who of course now. They have the Walter Payton Award that his family gives yeah, out to. You man know. of the year. Yep, yep. Uh, Mike, Mike Singletary, Coach Mike Ditka, Dan Hampton, Richard Dent, and Jimbo Covert. While not a Hall of Famer, William the Refrigerator Perry was also on the team. I mean, so this team was, you got to admit, they were good.
1: They are a damn good team.
0: Yes. And according to Chicagoland, these fellows were considered royalty. The community embraced these players, and even though nearly three decades have passed, today they're still looked at. In the same way. Yeah, of course. yeah. And one of those members was defensive back Sean Gale. And he was obviously part of that talent. It, and if I'm sure you're wondering, in the video of Super Bowl Shuffle, he was way in the back because he had no dance moves, apparently. And <laughs> he was like way up in the back. And Sean was um, Sean was widely known as a bachelor and a ladies man, but made a career out of professional football, playing the NFL for 12 seasons. Eleven of those with the Bears and one with the Chargers. After retirement, he used his fame for speaking engagements and made appearances at Chicago Bears conventions.
1: Oh, okay. Because, like, like a comic con, but for Chicago Bears fans.
0: Apparently, those are real. They cosplay as Mike Ditka. Yeah, those are really a thing. Okay. I see the heart attack move from SNL. I was, I was going, yes, yes. And then, like when he coughs up, he coughs up the the the, the full steak. Yes, I mean it. Yeah. Thank you guys. Gosh. Wow. I love it. I don't know where I was. I'm just so excited that somebody knew what I was talking about. And then like he read my mind or something. Uh, so anyway, um, and then he also became an NFL analyst. What he could have done though, is make a career out of getting the ladies because he was no shy guy, but it did appear that he was starting to settle down though. Ronnie Ryder was an athletic Midwestern girl from small town, Potosi, Wisconsin. I hope I, I hope I said that right. Otherwise, someone's going to yell at me.
1: Good luck. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you pronounce something wrong on this show. That's people are walking out. That's it.
0: I know. Well, We're out. The only, that that's just because you said Anastasia instead of anesthesia, but that's fine. It's that's a, like mine's just a, it's a brain
1: in. slip. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. It was not with intent that I said that.
0: After graduating from the University of Wisconsin Platteville, she moved to Chicago and settled into the area very well. Within a couple of years, Ronnie met retired NFL player Sean Gale, and in the later part of their relationship, she moved to Deerfield, Deerfield, which is an affluent, close-knit suburb of Chicago. Ronnie Ryder was more than just simply Sean Gale's girlfriend, though. Ronnie was dedicated and committed, and Sean, ever the playboy, was not completely. It's unclear if Ronnie knew that, but she did stay with him for 18 years, so it was likely a mood of acceptance. Maybe, maybe didn't agree with it, but we've
1: we've seen it before with, with people who are in that status position. Right.
0: And those, those 18 years that they were together, weren't exactly smooth sailing. Sean had only met Ronnie's family a handful of times over the nearly two decades together. Ronnie had also dealt with meddling fans and former lovers. One former girlfriend of Sean's had harassed Ronnie and Sean and the harassment made it possible for Sean to get a protection order from said ex-girlfriend.
1: Okay, so we're talking pretty intense, maybe yeah. even scary yep. level and okay.
0: Yep. And while their relationship was not at a point for marriage in early 2007, Ronnie was ecstatic when she found out she was pregnant with Sean's child. When asked how Sean felt about the pregnancy, he said, quote, "We were both excited about it. There was some disappointment between the two of us because our relationship wasn't at a point where we hoped it would be in having a child." So not at not at the point of marriage.
1: Not 18, planning for a kid, maybe. Years, right. yeah. yeah. Things, things are rocky. Now there's there's a, a baby coming into the mix.
0: Right. So according to Ronnie's brother, she wanted nothing more from life than to be a mother. Ronnie was finally living her dream, and her baby, whom had already been named Skylar, was due in December. Just before 8 a.m. on October fourth, two 2007, Ronnie's downstairs neighbor called upstairs after hearing a scream. She left a voicemail, quote, Ronnie, it's Krista, downstairs. Are you okay? I heard a woman screaming, and I don't know. Then it went quiet. Would you give me a call, please? Thank you. Waiting just a beat, not hearing back from Ronnie, she then called 911. Quote, I heard a woman screaming, and then a pop-pop, and it went totally silent. I called, and she does not answer. When the Deerfield police arrived at the call, they discovered the body of 42-year-old Ronnie Ryder face down in the kitchen. She had been shot seven times. Because of how quick they had arrived, officers could still smell gun smoke in the air.
1: Oh, that is chilling.
0: Not knowing who could have done this or what to expect after discovering her body, a middle school in the area was locked down, and there was legitimate fear in the small suburban community. The phone at the the, uh, police department is ringing off the hook. Like they had, a, like you could hear actually all of these, um, these phone calls answered from people in the area. You know, I heard gunshots, blah, 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 blah. So people were scared.
1: Yeah. So many times in these instances, people aren't afraid there's a gunman on the loose. Right. And in this case,
0: they were terrified because, you know, it's, it says it in our intro intro, this stuff doesn't happen there. Right so they've they had an experience. This is a it.
1: busy neighborhood if that many people are calling too at a busy I time.
0: I wouldn't call it a busy neighborhood it was just maybe a, a nosy used to being safe neighborhood. And nosy in a good way. I mean if there's a gunman on the loose obviously they want to know. According to autopsy reports the cause of death was a bullet wound to the back of the head which would mean after she had been shot likely running away. Among the remaining six, she'd been shot twice in the abdomen, which killed the unborn baby. Ronnie also had two bullet wounds in her arms, indicating she tried to use her arms to protect her stomach. At the crime scene, there was no sign of forced entry, and nothing appeared to have been taken. Investigators also didn't locate the murder weapon at the scene. While processing the condo, they found a typed, unsigned letter. Whoever wrote the letter stated to have, quote, found out everything. They went on to say Sean was sleeping with women all over the world, and those relationships had continued for years, and that he was, quote, and these were misspelled, giving disease to every other woman, and that he told everyone you had to get an abortion. Also in the letter were names and phone numbers for 16 women with instructions that those women should be contacted, quote, so you can see for yourself.
1: Holy shit.
0: Yeah. So recognizing the male in the pictures around the home as that of Chicago Bears royalty defensive back Sean Gale, they realized the victim was his significant other. It obviously it did not take long for them to realize it at all. And according to witnesses, a thin African-American teenage boy who was possibly wearing a wig was seen running from the area of Ronnie's condo building. Could Sean Gale have been the one running was their original thought there was also a black Volkswagen seen in the area, first just after 7 a.m. and again before, just before 8 a.m. Later that morning, Sean Gale called the Deerfield Police Department, quote, I'm calling about that shooting in Deerfield. Um, listen, I've been getting calls from the media. This is Sean Gale, and they're trying to say they're naming me as a suspect. The officer told him to hold on. Sean continued and stammered, is, is, was it Ronnie Ryder? Is she Okay. The officer answered, quote, "Uh, yes, it was Ronnie, and no, she's not. Sean told the police officer that he was driving to the police department at that moment and would be there shortly. When Sean arrived at the police department, he was, of course, questioned. He didn't have an alibi prior to his 9 a.m. haircut, but after several hours, they were able to eliminate him as a suspect. He also offered other information. He thought it could have been his former girlfriend, Monica Kurowska, whom he had a protection order against. According to Sean, female friends of his, as well as Ronnie, had been harassed by Krauska. The harassment included threatening notes and emails to former girlfriends, Sean himself, and also went as far as sending a smearing email to the members of a charity that Sean is a celebrity ambassador for. Oof. Yeah. The day after the murder, the Deerfield police chief said, told publicly, said, "quote There is no reason to believe." That a suspect is in the area or on the loose. Investigators also began looking into the former girlfriend and fitness instructor, Monica Kurowska. When officers spoke to her, she had a solid alibi for the day before and during the time of the murder. She was with a client at the time. Monica, who claimed to have been happily married at the time and also six months pregnant, said that she was not responsible. She also denied the recent harassment and letters. Monica said, quote, I have nothing to hide. He needs to find out who is doing this to him.
1: He needs to find out who's doing this to him. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Within days, detectives assigned to the case received a call from a friend of a former girlfriend of Sean's that had been that had also been listed in that unsigned letter to Ronnie that was found in her apartment in in her condo.
1: Sixteen names. Sixteen. Okay.
0: That friend had suspicions about her own friend, and the family in public had no idea at this point. So grieving and not having any answers, Sean Gale released a statement. Quote, I'm extremely devastated by the loss of Ronnie and her unborn, unborn child. She was a kind, loving, and beautiful woman. I will continue to cooperate with the police in any way possible in finding who committed this horrific crime. And police said of him, like, he was nothing but cooperative. So he was always, at that point, cooperative.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's, he seems decent, but has clearly attracted some pretty... Attracted a few psychos along the way.
0: Well, don't use that word, but...
1: Well, whatever. Some crazies, uh, I don't know, some unstable people. Because
0: that that word's better. Some
1: very (laughs) unstable people have clearly been drawn to him. Right.
0: Ronnie's family also released a statement. Quote, more than anything, Ronnie wanted to become a mother. At last, at age 42, Ronnie's dream of sharing her life with a child was finally nearing reality. We know Ronnie would have been a wonderful mom if only given the chance a chance stolen from her at gunpoint last Thursday morning. It was a murder and robbery of the worst kind. While they may say nothing was taken, for us, for Ronnie, and for Skyler, everything has been lost. The name of the ex-girlfriend that had been listed on that letter was Marnie Yang. Yang met Sean Gale in 2005 at a Chicago Bears fan convention. What started as a And Marnie Yang had been working security at the fan convention. Okay. And what started as professional, it quickly became sexual. The friends of Yang quickly realized that she had an unhealthy attachment to Sean, almost obsessive. And she was insanely jealous and somehow gained access to his email account. Creepy. Yes. At work. I mean, a lot of people have done that. It's just like what you do with the information is, is...
1: Yeah, I don't know. If you're trying to gain access to someone's email that's not yours, you are probably doing something wrong. I'm not saying it's okay unless you're the FBI. (laughs) You're entering a creepy. I'm not saying
0: it's okay. I'm just saying most, a lot of people have done it. That's all I'm saying.
1: Most people have done it.
0: (laughs) A lot of people have done it. A lot of people have done it. (laughs) At work, Yang confided and complained to a coworker daily about the way Sean communicated with other women, because, of course, she had wrongfully gained access to his email at one point during yang's relationship with sean and of course with his emails she found out that sean was taking ronnie on a trip to europe she located the reservations in his email called the hotel and canceled them
1: (laughs) i shouldn't be laughing but that is some devious spiteful
0: well this is like this is where one of her friends should intervene at this point this is a mental health issue at this point yes
1: that this only happens if, like, you're in a sitcom with somebody and right. your friends. Oh, it's yeah, only by the funny way, way. on friends I'm, if they I'm, do yeah. it, right. I'm stalking yeah. this guy and I cancel yeah. this trip. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Oh yeah, good job. Right. Like, no, this is not right. water this cooler is, talk. Your friend's no. a psychopath. You need to tell somebody.
0: As she began growing, growing more and more frustrated that she and Sean weren't exclusive, Yang told Sean that she was going on vacation to Puerto Vallarta, and it just so happened that Sean was taking Ronnie to the same resort. So she had seen it in his email. And tried to, tried to threaten him with that. <sighs> One of the other women that, that we've talked about was Monica Karawska. Her relationship with Sean hadn't ended well, and somehow Yang knew that Monica, who was originally from Poland, spoke in somewhat broken English. Yang boasted that she was able to imitate her. And even taking it a step further, she sent, women, sent emails to other women that Sean was involved with posing as Monica. Yang didn't keep her stalkerish behavior to herself. She told her co-workers and even her 20-year-old daughter. And in the summer of 2007, Sean told Yang that Ronnie was pregnant with his child. This seems to be what pushed her over the edge. At this point, they'd been together for about two years. And at that point, Yang confided, confided in a friend of hers and said that because she was so frustrated that Sean was not exclusive to her, she was going to kill him. Okay. She also felt that Sean was incapable of being a parent and didn't deserve to be a father. Some point after those threats, Yang started to shift gears. She began wondering if she should kill Ronnie instead, or as she referred to her, Miss
1: Macy's. Oh, she's got a nickname for her.
0: Everybody did. And Ronnie worked at Macy's, and that's where that came from. After Ronnie was found murdered and investigators had been contacted by a person who had been suspicious of their friend, that suspicious friend was, of course, Marnie Yang. That month, keeping it quiet, even the family not knowing that somebody, somebody was being investigated, detectives searched Yang's garbage numerous times.
1: Oh, the old garbage checks.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They found bank statements showing Yang had requested and paid for dozens of online background checks on women who had been involved with Sean. Also, on one of the statements was a purchase for a two-volume book set titled How to Make Dis- Disposable Silencers. Receiving it via overnight shipping and signing for it herself, she then went to Home Depot where she purchased the items needed. So this is where I I just, I want to talk about, like, just the whole mental health side of it. At, at what point does someone intervene? You know, it, in court documents, you know, I think there was one friend that said, no, you shouldn't do this. Like, no, don't do this. But I mean, it's 2007, so obviously a time span, but you know, stalker laws are not, especially at that time. I mean, when I mean, people can walk right through a protection order, right? They have they have no, just very very little legal boundaries, I guess, if you will. But at what point? And Sean, he loved Ronnie, all that stuff, but he was definitely definitely. Uh, not faithful whatsoever. I mean, just those sixteen names. You know, she was. <laughs> you know, she used all that. Like, uh, yeah. Uh,
1: at least, you know, look for his part of it. He wasn't hiding the fact that he wasn't faithful. I feel like that. This is look. That was his life. Here's who I am. This is my lifestyle. I love you, and I'm also going to be. I'm going to be doing this and this is how it am. I can give you a part of me, but this is what I do. So like all of that, I'm not judging him for that. And I wouldn't. And I think that if you you willfully engage in that with him, then you know what you're getting getting into. He's up front about it. Right. But this lady, this obsessive, there's a build here. And she clearly was sharing some of her ideas and her actions with friends before it got to the point of violence. And this stalker stuff is absolutely effing terrifying it's ter- it's to me. terrifying It freaks me out so bad. This lady scares the hell out of me.
0: well, I think statistically, we can we can see that it it climbs right or it always escalates, right? It always escalates, maybe not always, but a good portion of the time. So anyway, I, it just, that's what kept coming up for me when I was, when I was researching this. But so they also searched Yang's home and one of the most damaging pieces of evidence found in her home were several typed letters that were nearly identical to the one that was found at the crime scene because she wanted him all to herself. Yeah. And he was very clear with her as well that they were not exclusive. So. The, um, there was also proof that Yang had rented a vehicle, and the vehicle that she rented was a velvet-blue Volkswagen, and it was velvet-blue, mistakenly could be black. She claimed that she had car problems, and that was why she had rented the vehicle, and then returned it hours later. This investigation would continue until February of 2009, when her longtime friend, Christy Passion, got involved, or Paskin maybe investigators had gained legal access to tap yang's phone when i say legal access they used all of the appropriate measures and the forms
1: they got approval
0: well it wasn't it's more than just a warrant it's like an actual federal form and one of the conversations heard on that tap was between christy and yang then at that point investigators were like okay we need to call this christian So Christy was asked to come into the police station for an interview where she was eventually convinced to wear a wire and see if Yang would speak to her about the
1: crime. Wow. So just to be very clear here, the police were monitoring Yang. She had a conversation with Christy, and they felt like they could talk to Christy to work with them. Christy was not previously working with the police prior to that. Right. Wow. And this is... Two years after the investigation, so Yang was a suspect clearly for a very long time. Mm-hmm. They and were putting a lot, it. putting nobody a lot of it. things together. They kept that under wraps, building mm-hmm. the case against her, trying right. to get to that point where we know we've got enough right. to make an arrest. And obviously, so that's a long, long process.
0: Obviously, Yang knew it because they were searching her. You know, they searched her home. They did all that.
1: She was aware, right? Like they right. think I was. I did something. You know.
0: And her children um, were older at this point. Her children were struggling with mental health as far as, you know, the, the constant pressure from, uh, you know, from the investigation. Uh, so it was, yeah. Oh, it so was, Yang's it was, a mom
1: too. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah.
0: So in a hushed voice at a Denny's, she finally told Christy what happened. And this is coming from the court transcripts themselves, the defendant. So Yang, I stood outside on the carpet in the hallway she opened up the door to the apartment, okay? I was in. I had a wig on. I had dark sunglasses, this big, you know, showing something, you know, showing a size, yeah, okay. covering my face. I had a hoodie on, okay? I had dark makeup on my face, and I had gloves on, okay? When, when, when she opened the door, that's when, I, that's when I brought out the gun. And when she saw it, she started screaming, and I just let her have it. I just let her have it. I think I maybe took two big steps into the kitchen to make sure she, okay, and then I left. Christy said, well, okay, you said it was dark. Yang replied, "Mm mm-hmm, it was dark. I didn't touch anything. I took maybe two big steps and I took, Christy said, what did you see? She replied, all I saw was everything was in shadows. The kitchen was dark, okay? In fact, it was so dark, I wasn't even positive that I was making straight shots, okay? Didn't even, she opened up the door and all she saw was a dark-skinned person with sunglasses holding a gun like this with a hoodie on, okay? And she started screaming. I took the first shot. I remember screaming because at that point, I realized we are now at the point of no return, okay? Any thoughts that we had about turning back, we got to finish this now. And I just started emptying the clip. She went, because she had already started to come out of the apartment, she went backwards into the kitchen, fell against the counter, fell against a counter with the floor, and it was all in shadows. It was all in shadows. Well, how was it laid out, is what Christy asked. The kitchen? Yeah. Marnie Yang said, I never got far in there enough to see. Okay. I never got far in there enough to see, okay. Um... And don't forget, I also had the dark glasses on. I took maybe one or two steps into the kitchen to finish the job. All she was doing was screaming until she went down. And then when she went down, she took her foot, and she took one good kick at me, got me in the shin. It was like weak by that time, so she indicated at some level, and that was it. I, just, I took one last shot in the head, finished her off, and I took off. Oh, I closed, I had gloves on, closed the door behind me. Her leg was sticking out into the hallway and I had to kick it inside. Then I slammed the door, took off. That was it. So at that point, Yang was arrested in March of 2009 and told people what she had told her friend, or t- told police, sorry, what she had told her friend Christy. She said the exact same thing.
1: So she, once she got arrested, she didn't even try to deny anything. Right. She, was, she reiterated that to well, police. I'm glad to have an explanation as to why witnesses claim to have s- seen a skinny black person running away. Right. That and makes a lot more yeah. sense now.
0: And one thing to point out, too, is that Marnie Yang was a, she was a, a fitness model at one point. So she took some, and I can say this now because it's, there were some super cringe photos, like as a fitness model. Did you take those with the, with iPhone one? Like how it was awful. So anyway, she later that month then, or in, in March of, of 2009, um, she was arrested. And then two years later was convicted in 2011 for the murder of Ronnie Ryder. She was given two life sentences. So today Yang claims she gave a false confession and that she is actually innocent. She said she confessed because the detectives were threatening to arrest her son for the murder. In 2022, she told ABC 7 Chicago, quote, I was just not thinking beyond putting a stop to what was happening to my children. I believed once the case got into the hands of the legal system, it would be clear I did not commit this crime.
1: I guess I'd be curious. Yes, they got the confession. Was there ever murder weapon or physical evidence that linked her to the crime. I know, of course, we can commit, we can convict people without these things. Mm-hmm. But was there? There was
0: no physical evidence, as far as that goes.
1: No fingerprints, nope. no, no, no hairs, no fibers, just nothing. Nothing. Not it was all
0: circumstantial evidence because of what they found in her garbage, what they found in, um, what they found in in her home, on her broken okay. hard drive, those tapes, those on her work computer.
1: And we're and we are in a time where some of like like the digital timelines were very new they were she, very she they new. Very weren't new. they weren't quite happening with the same precision as they can today and she might not even have you know maybe not even have been carrying a cell phone at that time not everybody had a cell right. phone in 2007 right. so
0: what she claimed she did with the um with the gun was she put it into a bucket of cement and tossed it in a dumpster in chicago and told christy her friend that it was under a year and a half worth of garbage, Chicago garbage. So here is, this is where I get, I get stuck. I know earlier I, I said that there, there's so much evidence that that is pointing to her doing this, right? So is she saying now that because her kid, um, because her her family was, or the, the police were threatening her kids or her son, that they were going to put it on him. But now she's saying what it's all him. Like I know she's not saying that, but it just, it, it's just, it just feels weird because there's so much evidence that came from her home and that put her there.
1: How old was her son? I mean, like, uh, I, believe it was I, I, don't 20, I I believe I,
0: it was 22 at the time or 18. Well, 18. and
1: I, and I guess if they say that it was a skinny black kid that might've done it, then they, then they're, they're using that witness statement possibly against her son to intimidate her. I right. can see how that narrative on her part would might be used as, as a defense, like a, but right. with with everything that she said, with all the precipitous behavior well, of, why, of her stalking, yeah. I mean, there is so much there.
0: Well, and why? And why tell? Why tell your friend, Christy, this? Right? She claimed because she saw the wire. Basically, why not have a little fun with it? She said she saw the wire oh, on. Oh come
1: on, you dumbass! Right? Really? <laughs> right.
0: I mean, I'm paraphrasing what she I said. I know, but, but
1: give me a break. Oh, I saw. So, I saw she was wearing the wire. I just thought I'd have a little fun with her and the FBI.
0: So this is where. So she has she has a a website. You can Google it yourself. I'm not. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Look it up if you want. But Dr. Cyril Wecht is a forensic pathologist. Like he did. He did Elvis's autopsy. He's uh, consulted on or. I Shouldn't say he did it, but he consulted on on Bobby Kennedy's autopsy, Elvis Presley, Kurt Cobain, um, Anna Nicole Smith. Like he is. Oh, and then he one. So thing he's a coroner he, to the one, stars. I mean,
1: no. Well, no, he's not a
0: coroner, but he's a forensic pathologist. Okay. But um, but he um, he was just that good. Like he's he's that good, and so he's consulted on many of them. And he was a major, major, major critic of. Uh, the Warren Commission for JFK's assassination, and has you know spoken about it, and so he is actually on board with her side. What? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about it.
1: it that it, it, I guess it is odd that somebody with I don't know relevance of that caliber <laughs> right. is jumping on board with this woman. So then, then, then and, what? And all, he's not the only. He's
0: not the only one. I mean, there, they're I'm looking at. There's oh, a, someone... there's a, there is a chief scientific officer with more than 30 years of, of scientific experience in chemistry, molecular biology, and biochemistry. He's obviously had some, you know, he's, he's, he's not just like, you know, a guy from the street writing in like, here are my credentials. But no, I mean, he's, he's got some, some analysis of this, of this case as well.
1: And listen, in every case Prosecutors and defense are both able to present experts that buy into their theory. Right. So this is, although somewhat shocking, even maybe, you know, even slightly disturbing. This is how it works. This, this is the way that the system is designed. You can always find an expert who's willing to back your idea mm-hmm. now it doesn't undermine their expertise it doesn't mean well shit they've been an expert and they've got it right 900 times it doesn't and now, mean they can't be wrong it doesn't yeah. mean they can't be wrong and right. i think that we sort of we sometimes forget that about somebody who's an expert like they're, mm-hmm. they're not omniscient they're not right. perfect like they right. they don't get it right every time but they've done enough and contributed enough and have studied enough to to be mostly right most of the time, you know it works sixty percent of the time all the time. All the
0: time, that's right. That's what they say in Anchorman. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's what they say. Yeah, I don't know. It it's still it's it still gives me the willies.
0: Right. I mean, for me, it just it's you know rarely do we do we comment how we feel about you know a a, a crime or a murder, but this one just doesn't feel it just doesn't feel right. There's so much shit that's pointing to to her, and yeah.
1: I don't we know, actually, but, but also
0: it just it, it but it also highlights the breakdown of the mental health system too. I mean, at at what point do they do they intervene? I,
1: well, I don't know if that this one for me highlights the breakdown of any mental health system because I haven't, I didn't see anything here to or indicate maybe, maybe Marnie not maybe Yang maybe that system, was
0: not system awareness. That, maybe that's where, yeah, I, that's where that's what I mean to say. Yeah, I think system. she was never in the yeah. system, so the well, system
1: never had a chance. Right. Well, the system had a chance to identify her as a stalker. Sure. So that that did happen. Mm-hmm. Now to what level when once you're once you're declared a stalker then what yeah. you know it's not like it's not like you're on some 24/7 watch list nope. you know no. that's you what's have weird of, there's you, a bunch you, of stalkers you, out there right now there's probably one having a drink down the bar somewhere you might have right? a piece
0: of paper that says you know you can't go somewhere but that doesn't mean anything and what other one other interesting thing stalkers to point are out that is that it's
1: freaking creepy
0: so the the ex-girlfriend that the monica right she was um, she she had a protection order against her for Sean Gale. That was actually, in a court of law, was actually extended to 2009. And it was all because of these letters, supposedly, that Marnie Ying had been writing in her place.
1: A lot of red flags and... It's weird. What does anybody do if they feel like they're seeing a red flag like this from their friend? Because nobody wants to believe their friend or someone they like, someone you've had drinks with, someone who's hung out with your kids. Because Yang was around her friends a lot, and her friends were keenly aware of some of her behavior. Behavior that's not right amongst functioning normal, you know, functioning people in a healthy society. Functioning
0: stable people. Right. Yes. Yes.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And it, it's just bizarre because what does anyone do when they see this kind of red flag from from their friend? Nobody wants to believe that. So how sure. many people are really going to have the premeditated behavior to say, wow, hey, I'm calling the cops on my friend because I really think my friend is fucking crazy.
0: Well, it was too late. Right. right. Her friend did after... well called, After yeah. somebody had already died. After somebody had died.
1: But she had done... Enough she, and things. she had been,
0: and she'd been planning this shit for months. Yes. Right. I mean, you can't, I, I mean, you so, need time to do this. So yeah. To it, some of the, the people
1: point. in Yang's proximity, the writing was on the wall, but when shit. anyone sees their friend writing on the wall in such a way, again, I don't, I just, that's it's tough. hard to yeah. believe any yeah. friend willfully a, being like, Hey, I think my friend's going to kill someone.
0: Right. That's, that's a, that's a fair observation for sure. Yeah. Uh, sources for today, peoplehistory.com, history.com on uh, the majority of it came from court documents, and then, as well as staff writers, in a couple of articles from the Chicago Tribune, and then the interview with the writer family members. That a couple of pieces of information about her being a mom, as well as the 911 audio, came from 2020. Uh, check out our merch store. You can find that uh, that information on our social media. If you're here, you can do that. Uh, Be sure to subscribe, rate, review on whichever platform you find Midwest Murder on. Big thanks to everyone who has. Midwest Murder is hosted by Joan Alanto and Don Palumbo and produced by the Good Talk Network. Uh, Thank you so much for listening and for your support. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Omaha.